welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Hello, everyone. Jamie here. First off, I'd like to express our gratitude for all of our listeners out there. Lucy, Avery, and I are so grateful that our podcast is consistently growing. And secondly, we would love to have an opportunity to meet with some of you. So if any of you are interested in participating in a focus group so that we can pilot test some of our seminars and workshops that we are expanding into, please feel free to get in touch with us. You can reach us at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Thanks so much. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. Well, hello again. Today, we are continuing our series on relationships, and we're going to discuss three very important and interconnected facets of romantic relationships. So closeness, connection, or emotional intimacy, and friendship are where we're going to head today. So for the two of you, how would y'all describe closeness, emotional intimacy, connection? What does that mean to y'all? To me, I, th- I think it's it's the like acceptance piece of like accepting my faults and the positive things too, but like the being able to show all of myself to yeah. someone and have them accept and and be close to me still. And so not feeling like I have to, I mean, I think even in any intimate relationship, any close relationship, that's, that's how I kind of see closeness is that we can talk about the hard things. You can see the hard things about me and accept me and love me still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, This idea of being authentic, right? It strikes me like when I have a good number of clients who are in their twenties, right. And kind of dating, but a conversation we have often is often their reluctance to speak their truth, right? And to be honest and clear about what's going on because they're afraid like it's too early. I'm going to scare them off. What if they don't like it, right? And I, I do think maybe sometimes we don't want to like lay everything out on the table on the first date. Sure. But I think that as part of dating, there's this fear, right? And so I think moving into that place where you can really be yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was reading and I can't remember where I read this, but they compared intimacy to a living thing that you need essential ingredients in order for intimacy Mm. to continue to survive and thrive on a daily basis. And so that's why I thought it would be really important for us to talk about some of those characteristics like connection and kindness and compassion and friendship and all of those things. And, you know, really the best indicator of the strength of your relationship has to do with that closeness, intimacy, and whatever type of relationship that, that you're in. Because, you know, it's this sense kind of like what you were saying, Avery, that and and Lucy, that you're allowing your partner to see all of you, that there's an authenticity to it, that also too, it's it kind of gives this notion that you are part of something that is greater than you, that is co-created with you and your partner. And it's made even stronger when you have a really great partnership. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really, when I'm thinking about intimacy and connection is that we feel a sense of safety, Mm. right? There's a sense of safety there. Like this person is my safe haven that I can go to no matter what. And it helps us really navigate effectively in the world. I think it's really sort of this interesting kind of paradox in that when we have a really healthy, intimate relationship, it actually creates a space for us to go out and be 
like explorers and try new things. It reminds me of child development, that like secure base of attachment, right? You have the secure base from which you can go and explore and then come back. Yes, it is exactly like that. We don't ever lose that. And, you know, I talk with couples about that, that, you know, when you're young and say your parent takes you to the park and you're playing, if you have a secure attachment to your parent and you can just observe this, you know, wherever, but you'll see like these little kids go off, they go play on the swings or the slide and then they come and check back in and they're like, okay, just making sure you're there. And then they go off and do their own thing because they feel safe. They feel secure. And we do that as adults in our relationships. When you have a really close, intimate connection, that doesn't go away. You know, think about like the times that you or I'll speak for myself. You know, I text Robert throughout the day. We'll send memes. We'll check in. How are you doing? How's it going? It's the same sorts of behaviors. It's that attachment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do we get there? How do y'all think intimacy, emotional intimacy and closeness develops? It's a process, right? Yeah. I think one thing I'm thinking about I, I, this quote, I think Maya Angelou said it, but it's like you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's a process of like teaching people how you need to be treated. So I think some of it is like having good boundaries and knowing when to share, knowing when to not quite share quite yet, right? Kind of also like expecting people to to be trustworthy. So I think it's it's almost like a dance, right? Yes. Like you kind of it, it has to be a process. You can't jump jump over into intimacy too quickly because that's just it's more yeah. like a false intimacy. That's right. Yeah. That's um, right. That's right. Kind of like I think something that happens a lot on social media is that like, uh, forget the the word for it, but it's kind of like this, this humble brag kind of thing of like, well, here's like this, you know, really deep, dark thing, but it's actually like curated and polished. And so it's really kind of false. But I, I do, I think it's, it just takes time and, and continual building of trust. Yeah. And I think like this shared experience. Yeah. Right. And oh, that yeah. You, you kind of do things together, experience things. I'm thinking if y'all seen the movie Holiday. Yes. 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 Oh my yes. God, which I, I watched uh-huh. a few weeks ago and I think it's hilarious. But you know the part where she like they're at the Halloween party and she accidentally has laxatives. And so then she's like really like almost poops <laughs> in her pants. Right. And he's got to like rush her home. And they're just kind of doing the like we're just a holiday thing. But I think these experiences that are maybe even like the embarrassing and humiliating and hard ones that create this sort of intimacy. So I think that mm-hmm. it can come from the good things, but also the hard things as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that's one of the the key ingredients is that there's an openness to intimacy. You're allowing your partner to see you like when we're comfortable showing what we want to show and what we're not comfortable showing, but we're allowing ourselves to be seen anyways, that that is like really a, a starting place, a key to, to developing it. And sometimes that happens just because, you know, when we're first in relationship, you're allowing your partner to see you because you are living in close proximity, you're spending more time together, you know, and so we're revealing in our behaviors and unspoken ways who it is that we are. And then oftentimes too, like we create intimacy by what we verbally share you know, with our our partners, what we say to ourselves, how we talk about our our lives, our day-to-day successes and our upsets and disappointments, dreams, hopes, fantasies, all of those things are ways that we share with our partner and it can create intimacy, but you have to be open in order to have genuine intimacy. Any thoughts or comments about that? I I think that that openness piece that you're talking about, I think that's I think a lot of times we really get in our heads about like what we want to share, how we want to share it, how we like, we kind of try to do this like mind reading thing of like, well, should I share this? And what are you going to say? And how are you going to think about it? And maybe, but that openness of just like, I'm going to kind of 
go with my gut and share what feels like appropriate or even even kind of just like know that life happens. And sometimes you share things without even like really having planned or wanting to share them. Right. And, and that that kind of like being able to take it step by step versus being so much like planning figuring out, you yes. know, I, I think that's when I talk to people that are kind of in new relations, like, well, should I say this? And when should I say it? And, da, da, da. and it's like, well, just you got to go with your gut in the moment and kind of go by feel a little bit more. Yeah, yeah which can be hard. I think that like a close sibling or cousin to that openness is also curiosity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I do really feel like so, you know, we're all, you know, almost a few decades into our marriages, right, at various points, but that sometimes we stop being curious, right? And we talk about this idea of intimacy, but I think, you know, we have this tension that that we hold it with. So this kind of coming together and intimacy and safety on the one side and the other side is this kind of like passion and separateness and desire. And we want to like be holding all of these. Mm -hmm. But I think something that happens, especially over time in a relationship is we forget to be curious, Right. And so, but I do think if we can be curious and interested and engaged rather than feeling like we already know someone or have all the answers, that that really helps foster intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we will get to that. Good job, Lucy. We will, we will get there. Yeah. yeah. So part of that is one, we need to be open, right? Mm. And then the second part of that, again, because it is, you know, this is a relationship usually among two people. Sometimes it's more than two people. But, you know, the second practice is that we have to be, when our partners are open and vulnerable with us, we need to create space for them, be attentive, be accepting, and be warm. Because here is someone that is, you know, they're making themselves wholly available. And so, you know, kindness is a necessary ingredient to nurturing intimacy. And so when your partner shares things with you, you need to be available to them. So like listening well. Yeah, listening well, responding well, being kind. All of those things, yes, are really key necessary ingredients to foster more intimacy. Yeah, And I think another way to like locate ourselves is that we, all three of us are married to men. And I think that's something that in my most recent like readings or research, I think that's not something I've ever really thought about is how it can feel unsafe for a lot of men to be vulnerable sure. and to be like kind of fall off the white horse kind of so to speak. And and I it's not something I'd ever even really considered until kind of here recently and some of the readings that I'm doing. And I think that's something that that is important to consider is that you have to be both vulnerable but available for vulnerability and and kind of accepting of that as, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how about any costs to intimacy? It can be painful. I mean, absolutely. It can be when you put yourself out there and and have it not go the way that you want it to go. It can risky. It's risky. It's extremely risky, right? I mean, I, I would say that's probably the the costliest thing of intimacy and and being vulnerable is because when you're open, you are also not just open to the kindness and the love and the acceptance, but you're also open to being hurt, which is the cost of, of being intimate, right? Because here you're laying down your armor, your usual protection that you use, you know, as you navigate the navigate the world. And as a result, really, you know, being emotionally hurt, we can't get away from that. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. So that is a big, big cost to to being um, intimate with with someone. I would say another 
cost or the, the flip side of intimacy is that sometimes when you're in a relationship for a while, we can get really comfortable and be as free as we want to, like mm. with our emotions. So for example, really free with anger or irritability, sarcasm, dismissiveness, those sorts of things. And a lot of times because we we might have this belief, well, I'm really comfortable with this individual. And so maybe I shouldn't be as careful with them as I am with other people. And mm. so we'll let them have it or let them be on the receiving end, right? Like Jamie, the way you just said it made it sound real like conscious and deliberate. But yeah. I'll tell you for me, like that <laughs> shit just happens where I become like not the best version of myself around the people I love the most. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and it's not like a choice. I haven't thought like, oh, I... I'm really comfortable. So here I can just let it all hang out. It just happens. It just happens. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think it's that old adage, right? We hurt the ones we love. And that that is very true. That is that is absolutely very true. And yes, I don't think for the vast majority of us that it is a real conscious decision that we're out to hurt this other individual. And it can be hard to keep at top of mind, like, hey, this is the person or the people that I'm supposed to be really holding and protecting from harm. And sometimes that slips our mind. Sometimes I feel like a toddler. You just become yeah. like totally dysregulated. <laughs> right? like before you're like, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And when we're hurt by our partners, we have to learn how to respond in a way that's caring and compassionate while still getting our needs met. Right. And so it is. It's very complicated. It's a lot of work. It is. It, it, is, is, it is, is a lot of work. And I love one of the the advice uh, or the tips that um, James Cordova, who does research with married couples, and he says, you know, we have to resolve first to do no harm in relationships. And we have to do this by not attacking our partner or withdrawing from our partner. And we'll talk more about fighting fair and all of those kinds of things here in the next episode or two. So, yeah, I mean, we have to find ways to cope with hurt. It's inevitable in relationships. And I think it would be tempting. And even as we're talking about it, it's tempting, I think, to go into like a blame shame spiral. And I wonder if, if that happens, if we could try to like just use it as informative, right? Of yes. like, oh, wow, like I have been really biting or I have been really sarcastic or I have, I mean, I think all three of us have talked about times in our professional careers where we get home and our cup is empty, we have nothing left to give. And I think kind of just using that as information of, okay, what what are the things I could do going forward versus like, oh, I'm a terrible mom, I'm a terrible spouse, I'm a terrible, you know, not, not really falling into that self-blame kind of trap, more kind of just... Or other blame. That's yes. right. Yeah. That's exactly like, right. Or you're a terrible, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's terrible. Let's figure out who it is. But to kind of step out of that and try to use it more as like a jumping off point for forward motion. Yeah, that, yeah. And that idea that that we're going to get hurt probably has been one of the most freeing ideas for me. Like as someone who tends to be more of a people pleaser and like it could be the worst thing in the world to hurt someone. I don't intentionally want to hurt anyone, sure. but knowing that inevitably as part of being human is things I do and say, even when I'm coming from like a place of integrity, may be hurtful to others. Right. Right. And that it's not my job to try to make sure nothing ever hurts because... I mean, that would interfere with intimacy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember I had this really awesome conversation with a patient once and she was being very vulnerable and was basically saying like, I'm I'm okay to be in a relationship. I just need like you to promise me that I'll never get hurt. And I said, well, the only way for me to promise you that you'll never get hurt in a relationship is for me to promise you that you never need to be in a relationship. Like you can't, you cannot have both. And we both yeah. kind of giggled about it. She's like, well, yeah, obviously that's right. And I think she kind of just had to hear herself say it to say like, oh yeah, like I'm, what I'm asking for is impossible possible. But I love that just acceptance. Like I'm going to hurt, I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me. That's part of just being human together. And we got to kind of trust each other that we can come back from that or whatever. But I think 
embracing that, accepting that versus it kind of being a, a blame spiral is but really even important. For people, and I've heard that in my office too, around like, I just don't want to risk it. I don't want to get hurt. Mm. And and then we have to think about, well, by not being in a relationship and being lonely and isolated, like you're hurting that too, hurts too, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. No, I think that those are, are great points that it's, it's absolutely normal. It's inevitable that is going to happen. You know, I think, but the, the key thing is, as long as we can manage hurt well, and we'll talk about this here in a little while, if we can do that, then repair can happen, right. which is extremely important in relationships. So, you know, the goal is to be able to respond to hurt in an open and compassionate way, which is so much easier said than done. Yeah. So let's get into talking about strengthening intimacy. I want to circle back around to something that you had mentioned, Lucy, which is staying curious mm -hmm. about your partner. That is one definite way that we can strengthen intimacy. You know, usually when you first fall in love with somebody, there is a little like shroud of mystery around them because, I mean, you don't you don't know them. And what happens happens is again in that attraction phase it pulls you closer like well, you like hang you on know. every word like yes. you're sitting there like tell me more right <laughs> right so we like we know them but we don't know everything about them that's the thing we don't know all of their you know moods and fantasies and hopes and dreams and all of that sort of thing and so what happens in that initial phase is we create kind of this imaginary partner right where mm. we're clouded filling we have, the gaps. yeah we're filling it in and so that when we form those assumptions they may not be in touch with reality and so what we really need to do is stay curious. We need to stay curious about our partners rather than relying on our assumptions about them. And that, that can be really hard to do. I think as you progress in your partnership with someone, you know, I think we can, and I hear this all the time with couples in my office, is that I know what he's thinking. I know what she's thinking. I've been, you know, in this relationship with so long. I know what they're going to say before they say it. And that really is, you know, it, it's... It's not quite accurate. You know, I mean, no matter how long we've been together, how much we've learned about our partner, we really don't know every single thing about them. And we surely don't know what they're thinking. Absolutely. None of us have that power of ESP. And plus, you know, we're not the same. You know, if you've been in a long term relationship, like I said in the previous podcast, I've been married for almost 24 years. I'm not the same person as I was when yeah. I was, you know. 21. Right. I'm, I'm very different. And so we have to keep that curiosity open because you and your partner are ever changing. It's a dynamic. It's not a static. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes. So and one thing that you said, I think you're right. We don't know everything about our partners. I think sometimes being known and being seen can be super comforting. One thing that well, I'll say John and Wesley, both my daughter and my husband, both will say sometimes, you know, I speak Avery Honig. Like, I know what you're really trying to say, which <laughs> makes you just feel so seen. They're like, yeah, I speak Avery. I know when you say that's interesting, you mean I don't like it. Like, I mean, so there's something that's really nice about that. But I think you're right that that can that that knowing being known, being seen can feel so good, but that can sometimes close off our curiosity sure. and and make us assume that we do know all of what's going on when really like to your point, we're ever changing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like not black and white. I mean, That's right. Like yes. both, both sides are true. So yeah. yes, they speak Avery Honig, so they may know exactly <laughs> what you mean, but then like sometimes they may miss the mark right. Right. or like make an incorrect assumption. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So something else to keep in mind, too, to help strengthen relationship, and it may be sort of a little dark, but, you know, to remember that your partner is not permanent. They are not a permanent fixture in your life that at some point or another, you're going to be separated from your partner and we don't know when that's going to happen. And so keeping that, I think somewhere in there in the back of your mind that our time together could be short and unpredictable and remembering that I think can help you see 
your partner like in in each moment right now like that helps us pay attention and i think that that i mean i will i will say i've shared this before on this podcast multiple times i struggle a lot with anxiety and when i'm feeling really anxious like that's like rises to the top of like something's going to happen to john and there is i mean that, that's kind of a constant fear that i that i live with mm-hmm. but i think most of the times it causes me incredible anxiety sometimes it can help me hold on to myself mm-hmm. and say okay if the only way that i can cope with this is john like that, that's kind of an issue. <laughs> I need to find some internal coping mm-hmm. that I can do. I need to be able to kind of find some, some of these resources inside myself or not just only landing on this one person. Yeah. yeah. And something else that is really important to strengthening intimacy has to do with fostering friendship mm. in your relationship. And John Gottman, who's a leading couples researcher, he's found that in the strongest relationships, they are very good friends, right? And, you know, with friends, you know, you talk to each other, you tell each other about your your days, you know, about what's going on with you internally. And, you know, in romantic relationships, you're going to be doing the same thing. You want to talk to your partner about what's their day going to look like? What will they be doing? What are they working on? And at the end of the day, you want to get together with your partner and talk with them about what actually happened. And so, you know, sharing you know, information about mundane details of your life, those are important things. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to have regular check-ins with your partners. The little things matter as much as the big Mm -hmm. things. So strong relationships really then are are based on a really deep friendship. So for the two of you, what are some examples of the friendship aspect of your relationship? What are things that you do? Well, one thing I find John Honig to be like the funniest person on the planet. Like he can make me laugh to the point that I just cry and like belly laugh. And I just, and he loves to make me laugh like that. And I love to laugh like that. And we just genuinely enjoy each other's company. I mean, like we love to travel together. We love to go on walks together. I mean, we really, I think that friendship piece, I think sometimes people can say, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I love this person. I'm not in love with this person, but I think loving this person, like as a friend like that, Mm -hmm. and this deep friendship, I think is, is a big part of our relationship. Yeah. I don't know, for me, like when something happens, like he's the first person I want to call. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of want to fill them in on things, check Mm -hmm. in, Mm -hmm. you know, that sense of like your go-to person. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I think just like the little acts of kindness that you Mm. can do help foster the friendship and the relationship, right? So I like, I know he likes nitro cold brew from Starbucks. So if I'm going to Starbucks to get me something, I'll call him and see if he wants me to pick it up or I'll pick it up for him without even asking. So I mean, just the little thoughtful, kind things like that can help with fostering the friendship aspect of your relationship. That is so meaningful. John, he always makes my, my, or sometimes makes my coffee and he like will write me a little note on the top of my Mm. coffee or just like a little smiley face. And now we have these permanent coffee cups. So he's found like these dry erase markers so he can still write. <laughs> and it's like, it is so meaningful yeah. to me. It's just, it just really, yeah. and I think those would be things you could say, oh, it's not really that important. But I feel like that is the important, it is really important. Well, but I think sometimes that's what we do over time is we get lazy. That's right. right. So yeah. those little gestures, those small ways to notice and pay attention. Like sometimes we go into autopilot, we get busy, we get lazy, like whatever it may be. And so kind of remembering how powerful those are. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's 
really nice. Like those, that example that you gave Avery, you know, it's just nice to kind of sit there and revel in the warmth of it a bit and think like, ah, my partner's thinking about me. They're thinking about me. And that feels really, really great and really can foster intimacy. So obviously small things in the day-to-day, yes, they can kind of fall off if you're not aware and you don't pay attention to those things. But it's also important that we share about the big things. You know, we need to talk about with our partners, what are we struggling with? What is it that we we treasure, that we value, what are our big hopes and dreams? And even if we don't know the answers to those questions, just having a conversation with your partner and wondering aloud with them also fosters intimacy. You know, when we're curious about ourselves and we talk about that with our partners, it helps them to tune in um, to us. It helps them support us, um, strengthens our connection. And, you know, that really, really gives our relationships a deep sense of meaning. So yeah, small things and big things. Big things for Sure. During the pandemic, I think I've talked about this before. I was struggling. I was struggling. I was having a really hard time, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. I was super anxious, super depressed, super overwhelmed. And John is very curious. And he was in his approach was really like, we together are going to need to figure this out. Not like you got to figure your shit out and like get your shit together. It was definitely not that. It was like, we're on a team together trying to fight against this like demon that is coming upon you. And I I talk to families about that a lot. Like when there's a child or a partner dealing with something that we've got to have like a team approach, like we're all fighting together. How is that helpful for you? Like, how is that different than if he had said like, Avery, you got to get your your stuff together. So much, it would feel so isolated of like mm-hmm. and, and also like this is no like picnic for me to be anxious and depressed and now I feel like I have to like put on a, a face of like being okay and fake it versus like I can be honest with you and open with you and now we're fighting it together and it was interesting John was like we just got to keep trying stuff and so we did and he was and we finally found that I like to go hiking I need to be outside and John was so funny he's like you know after knowing you for almost 20 years like I feel like I know most things about you but it was really surprising that you're at all outdoorsy like that just was a shocker and so but I think that curiosity of like let's work together can happen when we are really open versus like well, I don't know Lucy you got to get it together and then like come back to me when when you've got yeah. it together is so isolating and separating versus I'm going to walk with you we're going to keep trying some things and and see if we can support you yeah even what's so nice in that story too is this developmental sense like there's still new things to learn like the new challenges bring about growth and learning and Ooh, yeah. different opportunities for connection yeah yeah and, and something that you're bringing up Avery reminds me of you know trying to balance like this sense of we-ness in yeah. a relationship versus me-ness in yeah. a relationship and you know it's mm. it's important how do you balance being together versus being apart managing things you on your both. own yeah. yeah you do you absolutely need both so I mean just you know as far as like activities and things not necessarily really sort of deep kinds of topics, but activities, interest things, are there stuff that you share together with your your partners? By the way, just before I forget, I, I do think that my intimacy in my marriage is helped by me having like an outside yes. sense of self in life. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that makes sense. So rather yeah. than taking away from it, I think that brings something like new and fresh into it when I'm like my own separate human who's got like things mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. I think I went through a period, maybe like a decade when I when I had like young kids where I didn't travel much on my own, which mm-hmm. is something I had done before. I'd go to conferences or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. And then finally, like, I feel like I reached this point where I was like, okay, I'm like free to go again. I can go yeah. to trainings. I can I can do things. And even in that way, like how much better that feels. Yeah. You got to come back to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just Lucy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
I think that is really important. And I think even kind of noticing those things that there are a lot of things you can get from your partner, but there are a lot of things that you can get so much better outside. I mean, that, that being able to, I'm, I'm a talker, which is not surprising, I'm sure, but I talk <laughs> through things like that's yeah. how I manage and process my feelings is talking. And John handles it very differently. I think he thinks through things. And so it's helpful to have other sources. Well, yeah, there's certain things that, that I don't want to go to my husband that's about because right. he's that's not right. going to be like the best person to support me. And I need to call my mom. Right. Or I right. need to call one of you or right. I need to, you know, like whatever it may be. Right. Never. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and I do. I think they're they're absolutely you need to have things on your own, like for your own identity, your own well-being, your ability to handle your distress on your own. Mm-hmm. And then you obviously need to have activities, interests, things you know, something, whether it's a shared vision of the future, shared values, those sorts of things that you'll have with your partner to, to create that sense of, of we-ness that's important. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of other things just to top off this particular podcast, you know, regarding strengthening intimacy is, again, I want to highlight this this phrase by James Cordova, which is remember to first do no harm. Okay. If Mm -hmm. we can keep in mind that we need to be more careful with our intimate partner as compared to anybody else, because we know out of every single person in the world that this is going to be the individual, your intimate partner Mm -hmm. is going to be most vulnerable to being hurt by you. Mm -hmm. And so if you can think about that, you know, when we're stressed, when we're hangry, you know, when we're cranky, irritable, whatever, depressed, we need to take care of ourselves and we need to be mindful about how we communicate our distress to our partners. It's better to name our strong emotions and talk about them rather than, you know, just act them out onto our partners. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. And then the last that we'll talk about, and I'd love to pick it up in, a, in another podcast down the road, is that strong couples or couples that have a strong sense of intimacy, they're able to reconnect and repair. Mm. So research shows that one thing that differentiates happy couples from unhappy couples is their willingness to approach each other following conflict, right? Being able to seek out each other, give each other reassurance and soothing. And so being able to conscientiously repair every time you have a hurt is extremely, extremely important. And yes, so I'd love to for us to talk about that maybe down down the road. Awesome. I think we'll probably pick it up with you, Avery. Yeah, we'll probably mm-hmm. touch on it. We'll definitely touch on it during the Fighting Fear episode. Yeah. So as far as things for our listeners to do to strengthen intimacy, what are some some things that you all have have thought about, experienced, tried, things that have worked? One thing for me, and I'll, I'll go first, is, is that, you know, touch base with your partner, <laughs> like, a, like yeah. you know, a couple times a day, whether that's by phone or email or text or whatever. And it's best when you do that for these interactions to be supportive, friendly, engaging, rather than trying to t- tackle like really major big issues or continuing an argument. That's not uh, what you want to do. Yeah. Okay. So the goal is to be like non-judgmental and supportive friend to your partner in these interactions. So for me, for those of you who maybe have been in a relationship for a long time, maybe you have gotten in a place where you get taken over with like the normal daily to-dos and the grind, right? Setting aside time, intentional time to connect with your partner 
and to do something fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like almost yeah. like you go back to that dating sort of thing mm-hmm. where you are doing something simply for the pleasure of enjoying each other's company. I love that. I think my mind would be similar as I think we all have kind of those things that we do well with our partners. And one thing that John and I do well together, we really enjoy traveling. And so when our marriage has been tougher, which it has been, I mean, there've been periods of time that's been pretty tough. We will go back to that and say, we travel well together. Let's try to make a trip and, and let's try to, or even let's go for a walk. Let's try to do this thing that we know we do well together to reconnect and kind of having that mindfulness of, Ooh, we feel like we're kind of separating. Life does that, but like, we have some of these things, these vehicles to bring us back yep. and and almost even kind of like making that more concrete of like, these are the things we can do to get back in um, if we find ourselves falling awesome. off. Okay. So next week we're continuing with relationships and we're talking about dropping the armor of expectations, complaints, and demands. So we will look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Music